Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit, and they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. I'm like a never nude, but for my feet. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. I never knew this was something that you could have a second point of view about. With Margaret Apples and Amy Wilson. There is no acceptable use of the phrase a nacho. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Did your spouse just get here, like from another planet? Hey, everybody. Welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And today we are taking a suggestion for an entire topic from our Facebook group, Amy. Oh my gosh, imagine that. Our Facebook group, you should know by now, is at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash What Fresh Hell cast. It is a hilarious community of moms and a smattering of dads who are having hilarious conversations and it's awesome. And Jacqueline recently posted, I had a fun idea. Let's talk about the not necessary but consistent family debates in our households. They don't really matter, but somehow they always come up. For example, Example, my husband and I were at dinner and our debate each time is, is it good manners or not to pre-stack the dishes at the end of the meal for the server to pick up? Or do you leave them alone and let them take them and stack them however they wish? Amy, the correct answer is... I feel like I need to know what kind of restaurant. Like, are you at Five Guys or are you at, you know, Le Bonger? Like, <laughs> if you're at Le Bonger, do not stack the yes. plates. They will be offended. <laughs> The boulanger, I think. <laughs> uh, Madame, at Le Bonger, we do not stack the plates. Please leave Le Bonger immediately. You are an offensive beast. If it's like Panera, I guess Panera is self-bussing. I'm going to say if you spent under $15 a person for your meal, you can stack the plates. Otherwise, no. I'm not a fan. I was a server, as you know, for a long time. I've waited a lot of tables in my day. I've got family in the restaurant business. I'm not a fan of plate stacking. And I just find there are many problems with plate stacking. I mean, I don't want to do a whole episode on this, but I'm going to try to be brief. I find that certain people start to stack the plates while I'm still eating. And that is, to me, like horror. Can't stand it. Like, what are you doing stacking your plates while I'm still enjoying my meal? No, that's, yeah. And in general, it's a lot of clanging. It's a lot of banging. Now, I will say, so Mackenzie says she always thought it was nice to stack the plates. Now we've opened a can of worms. (laughs) Bethany, who's a former server as well, we do it to make it easy on them. She's a plate stacker. 
But then, Steph, I think this is getting to your Le Bonger point. <laughs> I used to think you should stack the plates until I had nice business dinners. Now I'm aware it depends on the environment of the restaurant. More casual stack them, fancy no. Jesse says we always stack them. I think this can go either way. I'm a non-stacker. I don't like all the commotion, but I will say, and this was universally recognized, if you eat with kids, clean up the table yourself. So like take a napkin and put all the goldfish crackers on a plate. Like don't leave that hurricane wreckage of several kids at the table. Mm -hmm. That's rude. Mm -hmm. All right. I feel like we fervently agree on this one. I have occasionally asked when my three children were very little if I could borrow a broom to clean up <laughs> around our table. At Le Bonger? <laughs> Not at Le Bonger. I was like, excusez-moi, est-ce que vous avez une broom parce que mes children are slobs? <laughs> No, I did not take my... Don't take your children to Le Bonche. Well, that's... There you go. I mean, you don't really need to debate about that either. What were they doing there anyway? Amy, let's establish, just in case anyone is confused, that what we are talking about is basically two kinds of people. Family debates. What is the correct... There are only two choices. There are two doors. Sometimes we say it's a hallway. No, this is two doors. There's a correct answer and a wrong answer. Yes. Sometimes that's good, right? You and I, I don't want to revisit past hurts, but we have had an ongoing debate, or just we have a strong difference of opinion about whether or not you should wear shoes in the house. Yes. You're a non-shoe-in-the-house person, and I'm a please-don't-make-me-take-off-my-shoes person. Yeah. Can talk more about why you really want your shoes. If you have socks on also, what's the big deal? I hate, I never have <laughs> bare feet. I'm like a never-nude, but for my feet. And it's funny because I have a child. Yes. But socks is still bare feet? Yes. Okay, see? I want to roll the debate back to that. Does socks mean bare feet? Yes, it does. Slippers house. are fine. So, like, if I had to come to your house more often than I did, I would start bringing slippers because I don't like the sensation of walking around in socks. I need shoes. And it's funny because I have a child who has the same thing. So, it's clearly there's a genetic component. Ah. Like, he will not come out of his room without shoes on. He always has shoes on. He, like myself, the shoes only leave your feet when you lift your feet to put them into bed. This is my dad, too. Like when growing up, my family of origin, like you came downstairs to breakfast without something on your feet, quote yeah. unquote, and socks were not going to cut it. Why didn't you learn your dad's genius lesson? Like what is wrong with, why did you go so far astray from your wonderful father's words? I live in a city of, what, seven, eight million people, then the streets are filthy. So in New York City, it's just what's done. You go over to somebody's apartment and everybody, you don't even talk about it. You just take your shoes off. Although if like you went over for dinner and you have on like a dress and high heels and like then you kind of leave it on, you know, you got to, it's... You got to zhuzh. There's a little bit of a dance there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I get, I don't know. I understand this is something that people have different opinions about, but the people who have different opinions than me are wrong. I don't know. I don't want to take my <laughs> shoes off. We've done this already. We're not going to go back down this. <laughs> We're going to agree to disagree. We're going to agree to disagree. Okay, let's talk about another heated debate. So this is a thread from the podcast that you can find. We'll put it in the show notes to see all the different takes on these topics. People have strong opinions. Amy, answer the following question. Are the dishes fully washed before they go in the dishwasher? I'm going to annoy you by being like, well, I'm going to have, well, answers to this. No, it's two doors. No. No, they do not get fully washed. They might get, like, don't even have to wash them, actually. <laughs> it's to sanitize. It should be called a dish sanitizer. It is not a dishwasher. And this is a debate I have had with many people in my home, visitors to my home, 
I realize this is something people do, but putting, once you put one load of disgusting food things in the dishwasher, the dishwashers are in forever. You might as well throw it away. Dishwasher, it's not a dishwasher, it's a sanitizer. I'm here to tell you that that's not true. Having They smell horrible once you, it's so gross. Oh, I have a fix for that. I'll find it. I'll put it in the show notes. When they get that weird smell, there's something you can run with them. But you were saying otherwise, just wash your dishes first. But see, you have a problem with the sink. You have a, like cleaning out the sink drain. You wouldn't really have to deal with that if you just put your dirty dishes in the dishwasher. No. I mean, it's sooner or later, I guess you got to clean out the dishwasher drain. And that's, you know, really going there. Disgusting. Oh, the idea that like my lovely glasses that I drink water out of have like food bits sloshing around in them in there is gross to me. I have this like I live in an apartment. So you have to get like all kinds of weird appliances because they can't handle, you know, like regular Kenmore, you know, huge washers and dryers. So I have like this fancy German dishwasher that uses almost no water, but it takes like three and a half hours to do a load of dishes. And they're pretty clean after. I think I could probably keep doing what I'm doing, but I don't live with you. So I guess that's a good thing for me. Yeah, no, you're not allowed to ever (laughs) wash dishes in my house. This was from Angela, who says we're divided over whether or not you have to wash the dishes before putting them in the dishwasher. I said the dishwasher is made to wash the dishes, so you shouldn't have to hand wash them. However, husband feels the dishwasher is just for sanitizing. Angela, you're married to an angel who I'm sure is extremely handsome and wonderful because he's a very smart person. He is correct. The debate in my house is, do the dishes have to be facing towards the spray arm thing that spins around? The answer is yes. Or can they be put haphazardly even facing away from the spray arm and not rinsed out? The answer is no, because they don't get clean. But there are people in my household who would think otherwise. I have never, ever had that thought in my life. I don't even think I understand where the spray arm is because the dishes are clean. They're clean. They were already clean before you started. Yes, you can have like, you know, gunky dishes if you put them so they face the middle of the dishwasher. So when the water sprays around, it's getting hit. If you have them facing towards the outside of the dishwasher, the water doesn't get in there. This only matters if you don't wash your dishes before you wash your dishes. Amy, answer this question with a yes or no. I cannot have any more of this middle ground. You got to get off the fence and you've got to get on one team or the other. Okay. All right. Is it acceptable to call someone after 8 p.m. at night? No. Yeah. I mean, no. It's not acceptable to call someone. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. Right? I do think we are moving past. I have a friend who I know this about her that like she's always like, whatever, Facebook, whatever. However, I know this about her. She's like, why would people call people? It's so rude. Like, why wouldn't you? This every call could just be a text. And the other day I was having a dilemma with something and it was a dilemma that involved the field that she worked in. And I wanted to talk it over with someone. And I was like, she's the right person to talk this over with. But I did send her a text and I was like, I don't mean to be rude, but would it be okay if I called you? And she said it was fine. And I then called her on the phone. But yeah, who calls anyone? I mean, I still have a landline and it's like it's gotten to the point now where my landline, you know how you have like a special like spammy email address that you use when you're like entering a giveaway and you don't want to be getting emails from this place. You have like a side email, your Finsta. But that's your landline. Like I feel like my home phone number landline is basically like my fake phone number at this point. Like don't try to reach me there. Well, we have a landline, but it doesn't have a ringer. It doesn't ring. Yeah. Like I turn off our answering machine when we go away because I don't want people to think that they reached me by leaving a message there. I'm wondering right now, I'm thinking out loud here, people, why I still have a landline. And it's because there's so many spam phone calls and like the good people at AT AT&T should have gotten involved a lot sooner on they're not being telemarketers because now it makes people not want to have landlines anymore. 
I have a landline to call 911 if I ever need yeah. it. That's why, the only reason I have a landline. Yeah, and it's an expensive option, but yeah. So I have a phone. Honestly, I'm making a sign with my hand. It's like a little clam, you know. It, I mean, it's just a, two bananas that fit together. <laughs> I don't know. It's a phone. Yeah, yeah, we got it. But it's an oldie timey. My kid was trying to describe. She's like, Mom, what's that? oldie timey kind of phone called where it and I'm like oh it has like a hook on the side and you hang the earpiece up and then you talk into the mouthpiece and she's like no it's like you pick it up but it goes into the wall and I was like I think the oldie timey phone you're describing is a phone like she just meant a phone that plugs into the wall like any kind of no what she said really was she's like it's got a holder and you could walk around with it she was describing a cordless phone Uh like that was the oldie timey phone I believe you mean when you're talking about the two bananas you mean what was called a princess phone and a bit of landline marketing. I don't know why it was called that, but you had a princess phone if you had that sort of clam-shaped one. Mm-hmm. And they fit together. It's no. not the kind with like the big clunky earpiece that is on a cord. Anyway, that's why we have phones. But don't call anyone ever and definitely don't call them after 8 p.m. Molly, Yeah, we agree with, I think, you. Yeah, your husband says 930 is fine. He's a monster. He's wrong. Don't ever call anyone, but definitely not after eight. No, I mean, usually most nights my husband or I are like under the covers at 930, like getting ready for night night. It's too late. Agree. How early is too early to call someone? 9 a.m. I feel like it's nine and eight. That's acceptable. But again, don't call at all. Yeah. Okay. Michelle is taking us back to an earlier debate. I feel like this, like, do we have to clean or aren't there things and people that do that for us. She wants to know hotel room etiquette. I like to throw away all the major trash, put used towels in the tub and generally tidy things up. My spouse thinks I'm incredibly silly and thinks I should just let housekeeping do the job. Oh, this is me, Michelle. I'm definitely, I mean, I'm pretty neat anyway. So my hotel room that I leave behind is pretty neat. But if like I was with my whole family, I would take the like eight wet towels that my kids had put everywhere and put them all in the bathtub. Yeah, I would do that. Do you? Yeah, I'm going to say we're all Team Michelle here. This is just... (laughs) Don't debate about this. No. And if you don't, please leave a big tip if you leave a big mess. We once had a... I'm not going to go into it because people were so thankful for us on the Mom Rock Bottom episode for not going into the vomiting and pooping too much. They really appreciated it. But I will say that we once had a stomach flu going on while we were in a family hotel room. And like... I cleaned up and then I left a huge tip. Like, mm-hmm. it's no one's job to clean up your wet towels off the floor. Come on. I mean, I guess it is someone's job, but like, make it a little easier for them. You're a human being. <laughs> Come on. I mean, kind of, but let's do Reese's or Reese's, the pieces. People say Reese's pieces. Do people do that? Wait a minute. Of course. What do you say? Reese's pieces. It rhymes with pieces. It's the branding. It's Reese's. Nope. It's Reese's pieces. Listen to the commercial. <laughs> Reese's. Guys, I'm going to go right to YouTube in this one. Reese's Pieces, when you wake up, imagine your surprise when you realize. Reese's, what do I, Reese's? Reese's peanut butter flavor inside Reese's Pieces. You are deep into the Reese's world, Amy, the Reese's world. Yeah, I didn't even know there was another side of this. Julie says she has to do some yoga when she hears people say Reese's Wow, I had no idea this was such a hot button issue. Reese's. Do you have any Reese's? That's what I would say. And I am not going to change to make you people happy. All right. We'll be right back. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew. And believe it or not, this will be my 13th 
nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro <laughs> aunt at this yes. point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at them. And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Oh, this is one I feel strongly about, guys. Does the washer door need to stay open between loads? I should be more specific. What does that even mean? I have a front loader washer, like a top loader is fine. You can keep it down. But the front loader washers, if you keep that door locked, because it's like super double locked because it's a front loader, the water would come out. So it has an incredible seal. Do you keep that door closed and locked when it's not laundry day? Or do you let it stay ajar? So I would say I do. I have no opinion on this, but we've recently had a problem that our entire door has molded. So I guess I should have left it open. Yeah, front loader. In fact, yeah, I even have like a sign on it. So if like somebody else, you know, if you have people visiting us or whatever, like the washer door, leave it open. Otherwise, you get this mildew smell after like 15 minutes that, as you were saying before about the dishwasher, like do it once and it's never the same. Yeah, that's I had never occurred to me, but like we do, we are in the process right now of replacing our ring that keeps the thing closed because it's very moldy. Yeah. Leave it open. So I guess I should have left it open. But that's one of those things. Like, it's also hilarious how I was thinking we bought a house and the guy came to show us the house. And for whatever reason, he was like, this door always stays open because otherwise, like something dreadful happens, like the water backs up or whatever it was. And then 
by habit, I walk through the door and I shut it behind me. And he was like, that door stays open. And like, he really startled me. Like it was a stranger yelling at me. And I was like, uh, 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 sorry. And I think of it pretty much every time I go through that door. Like I was like, wow, that guy really kind of went nuts on me. But like, it was clearly like the cause of his life that this door stayed open for a magical reason. Now, follow up. I don't remember why. And I often leave the door shut. So I often think like, am I ruining? (laughs) Am I like opening the portal to hell? Because that guy seemed really, really sure that this door had to stay open. Living on the edge. Yeah, I don't remember what it was about. Let me take you to an outlier here, Amy. Ashley wants to know. Whether it's called nachos or a nacho. For example, when you order the previously mentioned appetizer at a restaurant, would you say, I'd love the nachos or I'll take a nacho? I never knew this was something that you could have a second point of view about. They're called nachos. No, there is no second point of view. This is insane. It's called nachos. I mean, I believe that Ashley, again, I hate to break this news to people through a (laughs) podcast because someone should sit down with them gently and explain that you are married to a psychopath. Like, what kind of person believes that a nacho is the correct way to reference a plate of chips with cheese on them? I'm imagining the person taking the order like, does this guy have one single chip with cheese sauce on it? Right? Like, that's what I would be. You want just the one? Angela also made me actually LOL, an overused expression that actually happened when I read this comment. Angela came in and said, we do now have a disagreement about nachos because my husband read this and decided to stand in solidarity with the men who order a nacho. <laughs> Because you know it's the guy, right? It's the guy standing on that weird, weird hill that he's going to die on. <laughs> I mean, if y'all men folk want to get together and start saying a nacho, I mean, go be psychos because this is completely abnormal. This is not a debate. There is only one correct answer. And if I was waiting tables and someone was like, can I have a nacho? I'd be like, get out of le... What was our restaurant called, Amy? <laughs> le Bouget. <laughs> le Bouget. Get out. Out with you. They probably don't serve nachos at Le Bouget, but... A nacho. (laughs) Anyway, there is no acceptable use of the phrase a nacho. Let's make sure we're clear. Most of these family debates, it seems to me, have one clear side. Laura wants to know, how do you fold a shirt? She says, I like shirts folded with the middle of the shirt facing up. Yeah, like at the gap, like yes. And her husband likes when the shirt is folded in half, shoulder to shoulder. I couldn't even picture what this was. The way I fold a shirt is that I hold it up, I fold the arm parts inward, and then I fold it in half. Back, yeah. That's how people fold shirts. That's right. (laughs) That's the normal way. That's the right way to fold a shirt. So again, we have a psychopath on the loose in society who is, for some reason, putting the shoulders of shirts together and then folding them in half. Yeah, you don't have to debate about that, Laura. (laughs) No, that marriage can't be saved. Just move on with your life. I'm sorry if you were trying to raise children together, but like, no, that's not okay. This is something worth arguing about. Does chocolate go with mint? In Jill's house, two out of the five people who live there, so 40% say yes, chocolate goes with mint. 60% say no way, and she says it comes up a lot. (laughs) I know the answer to this question, Amy, and I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you brought this to me. It's something I've given a lot of thought to. The only acceptable combination of chocolate and mint is mint chocolate chip ice cream. Every other combination of chocolate and mint is unacceptable and disgusting. What about those like Andy's after dinner mints? Oh, I love those. Horrible. Don't even mention those candies to me. Andy's candies don't even come at me. 
I would confess to crimes before I would eat an Andy's Candies Mint. But you wouldn't say like Andes Candies. Like it rhymes. That, that when they come up with the name, it rhymes. <laughs> wow. I'm just using it as an example. There you go. Like I love a good rhyme. I would never eat Andes Candies, Amy. Never. I would never do such a thing. <laughs> Chocolate does go with mint, but it goes with peanut butter better. Uh, a million times better to the point that like if you're eating chocolate and mint outside of mint chocolate chip ice cream, I just I can't deal with you. Amy, I mean, again, this is one that I feel like, what? <laughs> Anna wants to know whether the device used to give battery to your phone is called a charger that charges or a recharger that recharges. We argued about it tonight. Did your spouse just get here like from another planet? <laughs> yeah. From Mars? No, this is the kind of thing. This is more of a husband crime, which I feel like we could do an entire episode on this husband crime. And my husband is the world's greatest criminal in this world, which is that he will take, as you like to say, let me take the other side of that. Yes. I believe you have one of these in your house as well. Yes. He will decide on some like esoteric thing that is this. Like, it's really not a charger because... It was already charged. It's a recharger. And he's technically correct, but it's like, we live on Earth, dude. Like, come on. I get that you have figured out that, like, you are technically correct. My husband, and this is, like, when I finally snap and I end up on that show Snapped, it will be because I'm like, oh, there's, like, a hedgehog in the yard. And he'll be like, technically, that's a gopher. And that's when I will murder him. And I'm going to feel bad about it because generally he's a nice guy. But his ability to take a technicality and run with it. You need to beat him about the head and face with his phone recharger. Yeah, I'll be like, exactly. Like, I hope you enjoy the feeling of this phone recharger striking you about the face and neck. We legendarily, I believe we were engaged. We've been married, I think, 13 years now. So this was a, a long time ago. We were playing Trivial Pursuit with his family. An activity we can never do again because it was so ill-advised. Because he knows everything? And does he know the answers to everything already? The final clue that gave us the win was name the crystallized salt that gives flavor to certain foods. And I was like, the answer is MSG. And he's like, no, no, no. MSG is not a crystallized salt. It's actually... And like he had a whole thing about... He's a nerd basically is the word I'm looking for. So he had a whole thing about how it's not technically a crystallized salt. So that was not technically the correct answer. And I mean, we went to bed not speaking and like occasionally he will still bring it up. Like he's that guy who's like the recharger thing. Anna, you have my sympathies. It's clearly a charger. I get it, but run away. But I have, this is where the me thing comes in. I need to know what did the back of the Trivial Pursuit card say? Was the answer MSG? Of course it said MSG. <laughs> that was the correct answer. But like, I believe I had to physically restrain him from writing an email to the company that produces Trivial Pursuit. Like, I was like, it's time to let this go. <laughs> Dear sirs, I believe I have a bone to pick with you on the topic of crystallized salt products. And whatever. He's a wonderful person in many ways, but his tragic flaw that keeps him humble is that he likes to get into that what is it called? He likes to take the other side. This is one I really would like to know the answer to because I'm often not sure. I'm sure I know it. So lay it on me. Cindy's family debates about how the sheets go. Does the top sheet go pretty side up and then when you fold it down, it's, you know, it's backwards or do you put it down backwards? So you, when you fold it down, you see a little strip of pretty. I have a very strong opinion about this. 
But I will admit that I have now debated this with my spouse and others. I believe it is the only example where I feel like this could go either way and either way is acceptable. Yes. But I believe strongly that the pretty side goes up and then you fold down to reveal a small strip of the underside of the sheet. I am changing my mind as I think about it because I make beds this way. Then I was like, okay, but then when you get out of bed and, you know, your unmade bed, I mean, we can have opinions about unmade beds, but then it's like pattern to pattern. I see just like the pretty dots. I think I'm changing my mind as I'm thinking about this, but I don't have a strong opinion. I agree with you. I can understand the argument that you put the underside up and then because the first thing you see when you pull the covers down is the pretty reveal of the right side of the sheet. I will allow this to go either way. I do believe it is the only issue today that we discussed that I will come out as either way is acceptable. Although I have over time just moved to like white sheets, white towels, like don't bother with the patterns and then it doesn't matter. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I went to white socks, but I'm still, I like a pretty sheet. I like a jolly sheet. (laughs) A patterned sheet. I don't have a lot going on in my life. I like a little jolly sheet. (laughs) That little hit of joy. Amy, here's one from my own personal archive. Now you live in New York City, but imagine in a house, if you had a house, is the garage an extra room in your house? house used for activities and massive amounts of storage? Or is it the place where the cars go? It's the former. My in-laws garage is filled with, you know, nice rugs that don't fit our new living room, but it's too nice to throw away like in Christmas decorations. Like that's what the garage turns into. And also the car, if you can be very, you know, Chinese puzzle about it and fit everything. Yeah. So we have come out after lots of different efforts at my house that we have a two-car garage and only one car goes in it. And the other side is storage. Single bay. Single bay for storage, single bay for car storage. Yeah. And we try, I would say twice a year, we knock it all down and we get rid of a lot of stuff. My dad recently moved and we ended up with a lot of his furniture and all the photo book, you know, so we ended up with a ton of storage stuff and it's on my spring cleaning list. The one thing is I do like to get into a warmer car that I don't like to go out and get into that like dead cold car that's outside. We've made a happy piece. One car in and then the spare. Well, now that we're both at home all the time, it's like we don't really even need two cars. Yeah. <laughs> that's a larger debate. But I would say garage storage generally. Amy, animals in the bed or no animals in the bed? Well, no animals in my bed. That is for sure. But if my kids have our dog, Marshmallow, they take turns having her in their beds. Like, I guess you do you. Yuck. That's my feeling. Yeah, I am so opposed to animals in the bed. (laughs) But I will say our cat does sleep with my husband. This cat and I have a whole relationship going on. And it is one, as my son likes to say of the Yankees, I don't like them, but I respect them. (laughs) That is how I feel with my cat. I don't like her, but we respect each other. She would never come in the bed if I'm in it. We don't know where she is in the house for hours at a time. And the second my husband lays down, she's like, pop. And she just jumps right in. She's got a little spot next to him that she likes to sleep in. And it's kind of adorable, but she knows that like she doesn't come in when I'm there. So you are anti-animals in bed and yet have an animal in your bed often. She only sleeps on the far side of my husband away from me. Like if she knows that if she gets near me, it's not going to work out. <laughs> he sleeps between us. You guys are like, yeah. <laughs> you have to share him. Yeah. It's just like we know our roles. We mm-hmm. all know our roles. And her role is like she's allowed on the far side of the bed for me only when 
my husband is there and lying still. That sounds like you've come to a good agreement. More and more, you hear about the importance of electrolytes as part of staying hydrated because you need the sodium and the potassium, not just the water. And whether you're looking to hydrate during a workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing and without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. They're little packets you can just grab and take with you to mix into your water bottle on the go. My favorite flavor so far, Amy, gotta be the cherry pomegranate. Interesting. My high schooler likes the lemon lime, and she keeps a few handy in her backpack for days that she has practiced after school. These electrolytes have the sodium and the potassium that you need to go with it in the optimal ratio for daily hydration. Visit sportsresearch.com and use code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's sportsresearch, S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate electrolytes order. Hello, Hellions. You know we listen to a lot of podcasts that aren't our own, and today we want to tell you about a podcast that really speaks to us and will speak to any parent of a child with special education needs. The podcast is called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. One of my kids has an IEP, and I found this podcast so validating and so helpful. I feel better equipped to advocate for my child's educational needs now. This podcast is helpful for parents in many different situations, whether your child already has an IEP or you're just starting to wonder if they might need extra support in the classroom. Juliana has content for kids of all ages and for kids who are learning English as an additional language as well. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And now, the kinds of moms you'll meet on social media. From the What Fresh Health Podcast. The cheerleader. You are killing it, mama. Don't let anyone tell you you are not killing it. Who hasn't forgotten to pick a kid up from school? So it was three times in a week? You know what I say? You're doing it. And we love to see it. The one who doesn't seem to know about Google. Can someone tell me when daylight savings time ends? The it-all-goes-by-so-fast, Mom. Your baby threw up in every room in your house while you had a yeast infection, and your husband was away on a month-long work trip, you say? Well, I say, cherish these moments, Mama. They fly by so fast, and you'll miss them when they're gone. The delete-if-not-allowed, Mom. I know the rules say I can't post pics of my kids' faces or stuff about politics or stuff about my business, but here's a picture of my kid holding an advertisement for my business, which is deeply and controversially political. Please delete if not allowed. The reluctant husband basher. So my sweet, darling husband, who is God's ultimate gift to manhood, I just adore him, but I keep fantasizing about feeding him into a wood chipper when he chews or breathes. The lurker. I am sitting here very quietly never speaking, and judging you all. This has been the kinds of moms you'll meet on social media. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. A 
Okay, here's a debate in my family I'd love to know your opinion on. I think we're 3-2 in our family of five split decision on this. When you have apps open on your phone and you're done using them, do you need to swipe up and close that app? Or is it okay to have like 36, you know, ghost apps running on your phone and you clean them up, you know, once in a while? The correct answer is that the last thing you should do before going to bed at night is close all the apps on your phone. Oh, now that's interesting. But all day they stay open. But I do before. What kind of monster could fall asleep with 45 apps open on their phone? Not me. I just never even think about it. And then once in a while, my daughter will grab my phone and be like, I can't believe you have this many apps open. And she's, you know, like fervently close, 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 close. And then my teenager, he said, I close it as soon as I'm done using it. No, I don't even know how to do that. Like, I don't even know how to do that. I have to like click on the thing on the bottom and then swipe up like 30 apps or whatever I've used during the day. But that's like part of my bedtime ritual is shutting my apps. That's your bedtime. That's your shutdown ritual, huh? Close the apps. Close your eyes. Yeah. I'm like, and <laughs> good night you and good night Twitter and good night Postmates. And I just go through them all. Good night email. Everyone. Good night calculator. Yeah. I don't know why I used you, but good night. <laughs> Barometric pressure calculator. Yeah, I like to get it all clean. All right, I'm going to try that. Amy, which, here's Olivia. I like this one. It's not a choice. It's a choice, a multiple choice, but I like this. Okay. I don't know if this qualifies as a debate, but my husband and I are constantly in disagreement over which winter month is the most horrible. Husband is team January. I am team February, 1 million percent. I'm going to say that there's room for March in this debate, too. I mean, March can be the worst because you're like, no, we're done. So I saw someone on Twitter be like, this is the month where we all pretend it's 30 degrees warmer than it is. Because it's true. Like, I haven't worn a coat in two and a half weeks, and yet it's 30 degrees and freezing. Yeah, my daughter wore like white capri jeans yesterday and like a summer T-shirt. And it was, I think, like 25 real feel as she went to the bus. Yeah. Yeah, that's how we roll on the East Coast. It's like, no, 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 it's over. I would have said January is the worst because it's right in the middle and you have so far to go. But now after we talked about that third quarter phenomenon last week, I think maybe February or maybe March. I don't know. It's all bad. February is definitely the worst in my book. Yeah. As you know, we have a whole philosophy that you're not allowed to decide anything in February because February is the worst. February, yeah. January... For us, we still have like a couple of days where we're still on break usually. And then... I don't know. January is like, oh, it's going to snow. I don't know. It still feels like winter is fun. February is just misery. Yeah, I think, Olivia, we side with you that it's February. It's February. Team February. This is one I really want to know the answer to. I mean, I think I do, but I want to make sure we agree. I'm sure I know it. So go ahead. Is it rude to invite yourself over to other people's houses? Leanne says, we argue about whether or not it's impolite to invite yourself over to someone's house, a non-bestie, she clarifies. I was raised never to invite myself over and my husband thinks it's fine. I am team, but I'm going to get pushback. I know. I'm team. It's okay to invite yourself over. But there are parameters. Again, this is like our fancy restaurant. Like, I don't invite myself over to Rando's houses, but... Especially with kids, I feel that it is okay. But I'm sure there's people who think I'm really rude. I feel that it is okay to say like, oh, you know, can blah, blah, can my kid come over after school? Because you live right next to school and like, can he stop by and play with your kid? But I realized looking back as I remember like, this is like a sitcom, like where you're like, you're remembering things and you're seeing it with new eyes and you're like, oh, no, like... I definitely like we used to bring cookies through the neighborhood and once a neighbor like really yelled at me for ringing her doorbell and I was really put out and I was like, oh, I guess that is kind of weird to randomly ring people's doorbells and leave cookies. You rang her doorbell and like left cookies. I don't think that's rude. Well, 
I think they were sleeping. I don't know. They weren't pleased. Was it before 9 a.m.? It was 3 a.m. No, it was like the afternoon, but I don't know. I live in a house now that is off the street, and so we don't have a sidewalk. Like it would, if someone rang my bell, it would be like either the doorbell murderer or FedEx. Like there's no one who's just ringing my bell. Like you have to kind of work to get into my driveway. It's like the house phone now, right? Like who's calling me? Who is ringing my doorbell? Yeah. But I think this has gone very out of fashion. I like the idea of like just dropping by. There is a guy who's got an Italian name and he does the whole bit about company. I'm going to find it and you can link to it. You'd be like, my mother would be like, company's coming. Get out the good bread. It's company. If someone were to stop by, it was like, get out the good desserts. Don't touch the entomans. That's for company. And it's like a whole long bit. And that nowadays, when the doorbell rings, he's like, everybody get down, get lower, get your heads lower than the couch. The doorbell ringing is the most terrifying thing that can happen. If you haven't watched it, please take three minutes out of your day. You will laugh yourself silly. I think that it's fine to stop by, but I get why people don't like it. People are saying don't go by uninvited. I mean, I agree with that, but inviting yourself over to me is different than ding dong. Hi, I was in the neighborhood. This is like, especially if it's like, can we come by and see the new baby? Let us know when we can stop by. Let us know when we can. My son really wants to see your new puppy. Is there a time we can come by? Like that seems to me to be fine, but maybe not like, hey, what are you doing tonight? Can we come over instead of us hosting you? Can we just come to your house? This is like a huge cultural shift. Exactly. It used to be something that people did. Like, oh, I'll just stop by. I was in the neighborhood. And yeah, I mean, if somebody just stopped by my house for a visit, I would be horrified. Horrified. Yeah. And I think when people have like family and stuff, it's like, this is a different expectations thing. Basically, don't stop by places uninvited. I think that's the right way to go. And the thing is, like, my house is usually a mess. I have friends... I remember we live in the kind of town, like I drove by a friend's house and they were out. So we stopped, a friend of my kids, and we stopped and said hi. And, oh, come in and have a cup of coffee. And I was like, your house looks like my house looks when I've known for three weeks that people were coming. Like, it's like if someone just stopped by my house, I would be embarrassed by how messy it was. That's the problem, right? Because we don't do it. Now, when you do have somebody come over, it's like, you know, standards are high. It's a thing. Amy, does food go down the garbage disposal? Don't have one, but if I did, yes, it seems to me to be what it's for, literally what goes in it, if not food. Natalie says, whether or not to put food down the garbage disposal, why the heck do we have one if not to put food down it? Seriously. You mean you don't put garbage in it? I never understood this. And then I had a landlord in Los Angeles who... I made butternut squash soup, so I peeled the peels off of it, and I scooped all the seeds off of it. And I was like, oh, I have a garbage disposal. And I shoved it all down the garbage disposal. And he was like, if he had come up and found like 30 murdered puppies in my apartment, he could not have been more appalled. He was like, what have you done? Like, who would do this? And I really was like, it's a garbage disposal. I guess garbage disposals, like dishwashers. It's not like you just eat half a lasagna and then put the pan in the dishwasher. Like, that's not what it's for. Now, maybe there are people who do that, but please don't come to my house. And like, yeah, this guy's face, like, and I remember my husband came home and I was like, this guy like freaked out like I'd murdered someone when he saw how much food I put down the garbage disposal. And indeed, my husband was like, yeah, you're insane. That's You can't put like an entire banana squash down the garbage disposal. They seem kind of like hothouse flowery to me and I don't have one and I'm not sure why I'd want one, I guess. 
I don't like them. I, now we're on a well and a septic system, so we don't have one anymore. And I'm hugely relieved to not be dealing with them. Again, <laughs> it's like they're gross. And then, yeah, I was constantly like grinding up lemons in it and trying to, to make it smell. I'm not a fan of a garbage disposal. Right. And once the food is down there, then you have to address it. Yes. You have to like deep condition your garbage disposal. Just say no. I'm going to say my town, and this is like Enviro, and I love it. They have started food waste recycling. So we now get rid of all of our food waste into like a little bin, and then we bring that. We have to bring it somewhere. It's like a little bit high maintenance, but let me tell you, everyone should be advocating for food waste recycling because, again, now the food, it's not in my garbage smelling bad. It's not in my sink. It's not in my dishwasher. It's in the food waste recycling, and it's like... The gross thing goes out of the house once every three days, and it's the greatest. It's life-changing. I love it. I don't know how I lived before food waste recycling. They're trying to get it going in my apartment building. Again, apartment building, living, and, you know, hold on to your food scraps and then take them to a, you know, a place in the building. It's, you know, it's problematic, as you might imagine, although some people are into it. But if you get a good bin, yeah. I mean, it, because you deal with the building, you have to deal with it on the waste side, too. But, like, it's gross, but it's worth it. Here's something I really think we need to discuss, which is, are the Lord of the Rings books good or not? Uh, Lillian says the books are the best thing ever. Her husband says, no, no, they're drivel, but he likes the movies. I have no vote here. I'm a no vote. <laughs> I think I read The Hobbit when I was a kid, but like this was not part of my life. And I'm sorry if this hurts people, but I've never seen the movies and I don't really know what the books are about. I've only read The Hobbit. No, no, that's not true. I've read like a couple of them. It didn't really speak to me. I think, you know, it's the sort of, you know, Game of Thrones without the, you know, NC-17 stuff. And that either speaks to you or it doesn't. Like Lords and Battles and stuff, not my thing. I've seen most of the movies because we actually have a family friend who was involved in the production and I enjoyed the movies very much. Maybe me want to go to New Zealand. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not that whatever fantasy. I mean, fantasy can mean different things. It can mean like Fabio without his shirt on. Fabio is such an oldie lux alert. Back in my day, Fabio. It can mean like bodice ripper, but like fantasy when you're talking about like elves and orcs and like sprites and dragons. The minute I see that stuff, I check out. I'm like, oh, that is so not my thing. It's exhausting to have to learn a whole cosmology, right? I'm so, and it's funny because it's so my husband's thing. Like he's the guy who on Game of Thrones, like every single person who walked on screen, I'm like, who's that? And he's like, that's Earl of Elkdom. Don't you remember? He's the guy who made the sword for the guy's cousin. I'm like, I barely remember you. I definitely don't remember this guy <laughs> yes. who made... I need them to wear like football jerseys with like a number on the back so I can help keep track of them. You know, we watch Game of Thrones with subtitles on, which sounds like we're so elderly, but it actually really helps because when they're like, Lord Florian, like, like, how do you spell that? <laughs> it gets in your brain. Yeah, you can see it. It helps a little bit. I think fundamentally, like, you know, you could give me like a whole family tree guide thing with everybody. And then I would just look at it and be like, I think the problem is I just don't care who any of these people are. Like, it's fine. I kind of watch it like it's like I catch it every once in a while and then I come out of it and then I catch it again. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this guy. But I only care about like six of the characters out of 300. So it's not the most enjoyable for me. Let's bring it home with Angela asking this important question. When do you use a fork or a spoon for various meals? She says cup of noodle that you should use a fork. Well, I'm sorry, Angela, but you're insane. I apologize in advance, what? but what? Ding. Eh, you're wrong. No, you, uh, a cup of noodle is a spoon. I guess you could use both, but not one. If you have access to both, it's probably not a bad idea. But if you only had one, it has to be a spoon. Correct. Chili, she says, use a spoon. 
What kind of monster? Of course, a spoon. Right. Okay. Yes, the sky is blue. Mac and cheese use a spoon. She says spoon again. So wrong. It's a fork. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, her kids are confused. Eating mac and cheese with a spoon over the age of two is unacceptable. She says, my kids are very confused, as they should be, Angela, because I don't what algorithm. No, I'm sorry, (laughs) Angela. Team your kids. I believe, you know, someone should check on those children. You're eating cup of noodle with a fork. My God, Angela, what has gone so wrong in your life? I hope you've learned something today, Angela, if you're listening. I hope so, too. I mean, my husband and I, and one way to solve a lot of these problems, my husband and I have extremely different opinions about what should be eaten in a bowl or a flat plate. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. And I've just decided to let it go. Like, he likes to eat Chinese food in a bowl. I like to eat it on a flat plate. I like to eat spaghetti on a bowl, in a bowl, only in a bowl. Any kind of pasta goes in a bowl, but he likes it on a flat plate. And I'm just like, if you want to chase noodles around with a fork on a flat plate, that is your problem. You need those like big bowls with the wide sides. I know what I'm getting you for your birthday, you know, like this sort of like bowl plate-ish thing. Oh, no, no, no. I have those. It's like a pasta bowl. I have them. But then it's a whole other. There are certain ones I like in a tiny bowl. I have a lot of feelings about containers and what should go in them. We'll talk about those. We'll have a containers episode. (laughs) That'll be a whole separate podcast, guys, because I hope you've all learned a lot today. And I hope some of you have changed your ways. And I hope some of you will sit down with your husbands tonight and have some really hard talks. Yeah. About never using the phrase a nacho again. (laughs) A nacho. Just to name a few. Friends, you can check out everything about this episode in our Facebook group. And do us a favor, guys. If you have not reviewed this podcast, please, please do. That is the easiest way for new listeners to find us. And new listeners are what helps our podcast grow and go. You can swipe or tap wherever you're listening right now and give us a couple of stars. We'd love it. Love it. Smash that like button. (laughs) Smash that subscribe button. (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you next time. So long. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
then you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.